0: He is, you know. Oh, I fell! Brilliant!
1: Wonderful run yeah. for
2: Welcome to the 90s Football Hall of Fame show, a podcast brought to you by footballfaithful.com. I'm Steve McGovern and I'll be the captain for this episode. I'm joined by first team regular Peter Henry. How's it going, Peter? Evening,
0: lads. Or afternoon, should I say. Uh,
2: maybe just leave the time out of it altogether. No one, <laughs> no one knows what time we're recording, so it's grand. No one, no one cares, really. Uh, but we're also joined by our uh, super sub, Anthony Kelly. How's it going, Ant?
1: How's it going, lads? Go good here. Yeah
2: not too bad. Uh, Every week we induct a new member into the 90s Football Hall of Fame and this week's inductee was quite literally treated like a deity in the red half in Merseyside. We are talking about one Robert Bernard Fowler, otherwise known as God by Liverpool fans during the 90s. Now, Ant, I think just about everyone knows about Fowler and the type of player he was. We've all seen the highlight reels of his goals. So take me straight back to the very beginning. He broke into the Liverpool team as an 18-year-old and from there was a real whirlwind.
1: He really was and it was... Unfortunately, Steve was against your team that he um, he, he he made his name. Um, scored, yep. scored six goals in, a, in an old-fashioned two-legged EFL Cup tie against Fulham uh, as an eighteen-year-old, and it was unbelievable, really, because he he just went from strength to strength from then on in. It was clear Liverpool had a a prodigy on the hands. And he just exploded into the first team. Basically, there was a lot of talk about this kid being, you know, the, the successor, the heir to Ian Rush. He was coming towards the end of his career at that point. And, you know, normally that kind of pressure, that kind of expectation would get to a lot of players. But I think the, the thing about Fowler was it never seemed to encumber him whatsoever. The momentum that he had in those early years was just unreal. Like he hit the ground running in the first team and scored 18 goals, never looked back. And it was just again, it was just blatantly obvious to anybody who understands even like you know two or three percent of football. just what a fantastic player he was. um such instincts, such predatory instincts he, he's often attributed to being like a bit of a fox in the box type forward, but the he was so more sort of multifaceted than that such like such strings to his bow, like he was really composed, quite a strong guy as well. you see him um and a lot of his goals were like you know held the ball up really well or jockey the guy to get. That extra sort of yard, um, you know, of space to go and score the goal. He scored some absolutely blind and free kicks in his time, and um, had a wonderful ability to get the ball out quickly from under his feet and turn. That you know scored so many clever sort of goals out of nothing, really. And you often associate those kind of goals with like world class foreign imports, like your Henri's and your Luis Suarez and people like that who can score from nothing, really. Well, a lot of Fowler's goals, he kind of, especially in those formative years, those really sort of prolific years in the mid-90s, he, he he scores goals kind of out of nothing. The game, you know, he picks, up, he picks up the ball in an innocuous sort of place in the pitch and all of a sudden he's raced away and he did the balls in the back of the net a few seconds later. Such was his sort of predatory instincts and that sort of direction to goal. I don't think I've ever seen a striker as um, as hungry as that um, from a young age. And I, I think that the fact he played without that fear, without that burden of pressure, and obviously Liverpool weren't, weren't amazing at the time either. He was all kind of light in a, in a very dark period when we were in transition. And the, the, the cops just loved him as, as one of their own, really.
2: Yeah, I actually found a video of, of one of those goals he scored against Fulham. It was a very nice finish. So he definitely started as he meant to go on, scoring 12 in his first 13 games for the club. Turning in there. Oh, terrific goal by Fowler. His first Liverpool. And what a beauty It was. Peter, the term natural finisher is bandied a, about a lot and not always used correctly, but it's probably a fair descriptor for the type of player he was, was it not?
0: Ah, yeah, 100%. That That is the, the phrase that comes up when people talk about a kind of peak Robbie Fowler during them first few years after he, he broke into the, the Liverpool team because he, he was so creative and figuring, figuring a way to to finish um in all types of tight situations. He just always seemed to come up with the right finish and, You know, I couldn't actually find the goal when I was looking through the YouTube clips. But even as a young Man United fan growing up, I absolutely loved Robbie Fowler just because I thought he was just pure class in terms of his his finishing ability. But it was in one of the games, it might even have been the the game that he scored the five goals against Fulham, where there was a ball over the top and he kind of takes it down on the outside of his of his foot and then in the same almost the same movement he just lashes it into the the bottom corner and it was when Anfield had them kind of nets that used to dip down a bit at the back so the the ball would kind of get stuck in 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 the back of the corner of the net it just just beautiful to watch um but you you know when you look through his... His highlight reel, as as we we'll, we we'll go on, the way he came up with different ways of finishing at times was just fantastic. And luckily enough, I've kind of been what can remember almost every Premier League season. Watched watched a lot of football over the years. And if you were to say to me, just in terms of you know, there might be strikers who scored more goals or attacking players that maybe had better all round games, but if you were to say to me, name you know your top five. Finishers that if they were true one on a, one with a goalkeeper and you had to put your house on them putting the ball in the back of the net. Robbie Fowler would be in in my in my top probably three throughout all the a young Robbie Fowler throughout the whole years of the Premier League. He he was that good. It was all it was like I said it was it was very instinctive as well. We you know he wasn't a particularly athletic player. Like he didn't have I wouldn't say he was slow, but he didn't seem to have like great pace or anything like that it, you, you just knew when he got the ball it was just going to try and get it onto that le- left peg and, and rifle it home and uh, as we'll get on to quite often he was, you know, he, he could score goals where there didn't really look to be too much on um, and there was a fearless uh, uh, he was fearless I think as well at times like Anne said, nothing seemed to phase in them the first few years Like I remember the, the day Cantona came back in 95 from a suspension and Fowler made a fool of Peter Schmeichel twice, and Gary Neville in in the, at Old Trafford. You know there was just no fear to him as well. He had that kind of, you know, that working class lad who would got his his chance, and he wasn't going to let anybody get in his way. He wasn't going to let pressure or anything stop him. He was, uh, yeah, he was he was so special. Them first few years,
2: I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that. You know that that you were, he was a player that you loved, considering he was a constant thorn in the side of of Manchester United during those years particularly in 95 he seemed to just always score against them and as well as that he, he didn't just score against Man United he always scored like golazos like if there if were always like spectacular goals never boring never tap-ins really and there was one in particular in like 96 I think um, it was at Old Trafford and he's just on the left-hand side of the box and he just absolutely pings it into the net and yeah it's you know, a great goal though yeah it's absolutely unbelievable Schmeichel is just kind of like planked on the ground <laughs> just like yeah, watches, that's, that's what that's
0: just But I thought that was part of a double where he scored. I think he loves him in the same game. Um, I always thought that was Cantona's first game back. I Don't uh,
1: remember.
0: It's, it might yeah, been. I, don't. I think, two, I think was it? it was.
1: Two, it, was two. Like,
0: it, it was a two-two draw. Cantona scored a penalty to make it two-two, but Fowler had scored both Liverpool's ga- yeah. goals in the, that
2: the, game. The chip is brilliant as well. Yeah, like you said, because I think it was a like Gary Neville gets dispossessed. Yeah. And he's literally in no man's land, and Schmeichel comes out and gets gets a uh, chipped, um, which I'm sure he was very forgiving of Gary Neville for that. But uh, yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable kind of brace. And any 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 other runs in particular? I mean, there's a lot to pick from here. Uh, yeah. You know, I was looking at go you know, his his top ten finishes for Liverpool um, so earlier. The, the... There was there's so many.
1: It's hard to pick, you know. But there's the one against Villa when he, he just mugs Thornton off. And he's got his back to him and he he spins him and he just leaves Thornton for dead. And he's he's he just carries the ball an extra couple of yards and unleashes that curling effort right into the corner of the goal. It's 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 almost like Gerardesque the finish. It's really beautiful, like really, really into the far, you know, into the far corner. Uh, i love that one there's the second goal he scores against uh, newcastle in the 4-3 it's not like it, it wouldn't be like in his in his top goals i just remember how like i loved the celebration cuz i remember doing it when i was a kid <laughs> he scores the goal and uh, he slides into the back of the net after the ball like heading the ball on the ground yeah. and uh, i i just loved that celebration cuz i mean that was one of the most exciting games ever when i was a kid that 4-3 and uh, everything about it like you know the 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 end to end foul getting a brace uh, he was absolutely my favourite player at the time, um, so yeah, there were so many good ones. He also actually scored um, the, the goal into 2001 League Cup final as well, which was a blinder. Uh, I think Heskey nods the ball onto him, and it kind of drops over his shoulder. Again, it, it, it's like it's a goal that probably doesn't get enough cr- uh, credit. If if someone like a Suarez did or a Bergkamp had done it, it would be like probably one you know one of the all-time you know uh, famous Cup final goals. But the way he hits it, the timing of the shot, uh, as it drops over him and loops over the goalkeeper from about 25 yards out, it was, it was an absolutely brilliant finish if you ever get a chance to watch it. Because the game was actually it was actually a bit of a non-event. Liverpool froze in that match. And um, Fowler bailed us out with, with an absolute worldie of a finish to, to get us in front. So yeah, so many so many favourite memories of him like,
2: yeah, yeah, that's that's one of those who came over the top, and he—it's kind of like a volley with the laces, and yeah, it kind yeah. of just like dips. Kind of gets he,
1: under the ball. Yeah, as he hits yeah, it, he yeah. It's it. it's yeah.
2: almost like a lob, nearly, and it it doesn't have like ferocious pace on it or anything. But um, yeah, it's an unbelievable finish. And Liverpool actually uh, have it as their as his number one finish for the club.
1: Oh, do they?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in this is video, anyway. That,
1: oh, right. I'm surprised is that? By that. Oh,
2: the okay. other goal, Peter, which I know for a fact that you love, is the one against Bran. Uh, in europe which was i mean it actually defies description because you just wonder like how in god's name did he (laughs) do that
0: Uh, it's the it's the innovation it's the natural it's like i said was saying that's kind of natural you get the impression when robbie Fowler was at the best that there was very little like there was very little thought it just happened you know improvised yeah improvised is the word I'm, i'm looking for yeah i put it like it was like you know people talk about you know when people perform best they're in like a state of flow. And it, like I just don't think Robbie Fowler thought much. It was just that creative spark to come up with these finishes just happened. But that one's just sensational. There's a long ball out to the left back who's on the touchline. I think it's Stigging Stig- uh, Bjornaby.
1: And he heads
0: it back into Fowler, who's about 30 yards out and like to the left-hand side of the box. And he flicks it up. It goes right up in the air, up over the defender's head and he runs onto it, and then it's a pure Robbie Fowler finish once he he gets to the ball about 10 yards out, he just absolutely rifles it on the body past the goalkeeper. Just a phenomenal goal, the kind of goal you could just watch over and over again.
1: Good play by Fowler. Lovely volley, wonderful goal! Robbie Fowler for Liverpool has calmed the early
2: nerves. With a piece of skill that will live in the memory for a long, long time, Bjornaby's header set up the chance for him to try it out. It was a training gown trick that's really come off in a match situation, and Liverpool are in front.
0: There's one that really sticks out for me as well, lads, and it's it's against Charlton. Actually, it's an overhead yeah. kick. The ball comes overhead. in from a corner, and yeah. it's it's just pure football and porn. Like the but, there's a melee in the box, and it bounces to him kind of on the six yard box. And he's running away from goal. The box is absolutely packed. There's about eight or nine players within the six-yard box, and he turns and kind of—it's not acrobatic. He just kind of slowly gets down and just flicks an overhead up and over everybody. And there's like there's no room for that ball to go in except a couple of feet. And he just nails it perfectly. That's that's probably my favorite of all his goals. It's just it's just sensational and only. True, like it, he knows exactly what he's doing there. He knows he has to put that up. Like there's no pace on the ball, anything, but he just takes every every defender out of it, and it just goes into that small little percentage of the goal that no one can reach. It's just, it's just phenomenal.
1: It was really, really important that goal as well because we, we had to be chancing to get the Champions League that uh, in that match as well. So yeah, it was it, it was a wonderful time to be doing something like that, wasn't it?
2: I mean, you mentioned the League Cup final goal. I mean, he also scored in the UEFA Cup final and very nice finish where he's into the box and he's got three defenders around him and he yes. somehow yeah. finds the, the bottom corner. So, I mean, like, he, he definitely picked his moments, certainly you know, scoring in Derby, scoring against United, scoring in cup finals.
1: Sure, he was a, he was a big game player. There was, there's no two ways about that. And again, I think it, it, he had that natural swagger and confidence where he it probably, it probably just wasn't that phased by the big occasion and I think that 2001 season where we won the three Cups, uh, it was kind of like his last hurrah um, as a Liverpool player because he'd had you know, two or three years of really bad injuries and dips in form, speculation about his future, and he, again, I think it was Owen who top scored that season as, as usual at that point, but Fowler scored so many big goals that year. Um, he, he scored one in the FA Cup semi-final in a really tight game against Wickham in the semi-final, a great free kick as well, so yeah, so many pivotal moments, and again, the that Alaves game. I don't know if it was fatigue or nerves, but uh, a very watertight Liverpool defence kind of capitulated uh, against like a, a mid-table Spanish team, really. And uh, I think we were three-one up at one point. The game ended into extra time, four-four, and Fowler scored at a moment when the, the momentum had kind of swung back into Alaves's favour. And he, he, again, it was a goal kind of out of nothing, really, that, that he scored that in that game. So so many big moments for us, like.
0: The League Cup was definitely his tournament, lads. He scored, uh, obviously, made his name against Fulham in it, and then he scored twenty-nine goals in thirty-five League Cup appearances. Did That's it? just phenomenal,
1: like you know. What oh, yes! Yeah. Oh my God!
2: Yeah, he ended up winning it twice, of course. But one of my all-time favorite Premier League moments is when Fowler, after scoring against a penalty against Everton, gets down on his hands and knees and starts crawling. And uh, kind of starts doing a a sniffing motion. I have no idea what exactly he's getting at, but uh, it was certainly. uh, I mean, it's just an amazing moment. I just love it so much, and I wish, I wish more things like this happened in the Premier League. To be perfectly honest.
0: Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. Like, I always, I, I love things like that as well, Steve, because. Like the backstory is Fowler had been out in injured, and you know Liverpool's quite a a small city in many ways, and that rumors tend to fly around and some of the chants that you hear in the Merseyside derby against players as Stephen Gerrard will attest to and certain everton players it's it's really to the bone they get if there's any rumors about anybody's personal life that they, they come out they come out in vicious fashion during the Merseyside derby and. It had been alleged that Robbie Felder had during his injury break had been out in the town a lot and he'd been uh, he'd been taking certain white substances. So my my favourite part of the whole story of, of this is the excuse that Gerard Houllier and Felder tried to use for him doing it. But firstly, yeah, the reason I love it is though, because I think footballers are humans I and mean, when they're getting abused by thousands of people, that was just his way of, of sticking it back to the fans, which you know, I, ha- I have no problem with, to be honest, I think fans are very sensitive, they can abuse a player for 90 minutes, and as soon as he does it and back, they, they start cry- crying foul, I- I'd actually like to see more of it within reason, but uh, the excuse that that, that Gerard Houllier gave to me <laughs> was that he he wasn't snorting a line, even though he was definitely snorting a line, right, <laughs> um, was that He'd learned a Cameroonian grass-eating celebration from Rigoberts Song, which I just thought was absolutely brilliant. Like, no, look, we can see it, man. We can see what he's doing. Don't take us for mugs. But, yeah, what an excuse. He wasn't really doing it. He was uh, It was a Cameroonian grass-eating celebration.
1: I love the way Rigoberts oh, was the fall guy as well. That that was brilliant. Like a, like, like an obscure <laughs> squad player was the fall guy. <laughs>
0: To restore parity for Liverpool. And it's very well taken. And I'm not sure that's the most sensible of celebrations from Robbie Fowler, but he's enjoying the moment. He was into all the fads at the time, Robbie Fowler, as well. Like, can you remember he used to wear that little plastic thing on his nose? Yeah, that's right. And he had the like the, the bleached blonde hair, the, the point of Guinness hairstyle is just <laughs> It's just horrific when you see, look back at some of his best moments. You kind of be thinking, jeez, I wish you, I, I wish you're, you're thinking, Robbie, I didn't have that hairstyle when I scored some of my best goals ever." You know,
2: it's often forgotten though. And that uh, celebration—I mean, it came during a three-two win for Liverpool in the Merseyside derby in ninety-eight, ninety-nine. And you know, it—I think it's forgotten because of that. That—that that was a big win for Liverpool. I mean, during the nineties, for whatever reason, they had struggled against Everton I don't have the stats to hand but I know they won very few games against them uh, during the decade yep. and it was their first Derby win in a long time so it was actually like you know as much as we laugh and, and uh, point out the, the kind of farcical nature of the, of, of the goal and the celebration you know that was a big game for them and a big moment from Fowler himself
1: Yeah it was I think it was three years in a row three seasons in a row when Everton where really down in in the dumps in the Premier League and they they beat Liverpool at Anfield for um, three years running. It was just, I think it was just a psychological thing. We've we've spoken on this pod before about other Liverpool players and how flaky and weak that Liverpool team was despite having some wonderful attacking talent in it. And I think Everton just basically Realised they were never going to win a football battle with Liverpool, but if they bullied them and they got in the faces, got a bit direct, got the you know a few elbows thrown in corners, they basically became wars of attrition. In the matches and Liverpool didn't really have the belly for the fight at times. And I remember um, as a kid, the the tension in some of those derbies because a lot of pressure on Liverpool to win. And um, yeah, that was that was a particularly uh, a big moment that as well. I think it was just a time when Liverpool were heading into that new era. It, it was the year when I think Julier was appointed that season as well, um, halfway through. So a lot of change in the air. And I think Fowler was just kind of reminding everybody that he was he was still there. He he was still a Liverpool player despite his injuries as well. So I think it was um, that that was a particularly big moment for him personally as well as the club.
2: And he was a very socially aware player as well. I mean, he famously supported the Dockers. He had a, a you know a Calvin Klein T-shirt where you know he used obviously the letters CK and and just wrote Dockers with it. And and he was kind of yeah very very socially aware, as you'd say.
1: Yeah, he was. I mean, he's as he's from Tocky in, in in Liverpool, which is sort of inner city area. If people aren't familiar with it, he suffered a lot of post industrial decline, quite a lot of unemployment around there. So I think he he, he would have been sort of. Ingrained in like a lot of sort of social responsibility as well. Yeah, he, he got into a bit of trouble for that because uh, you're not really allowed to display political messages when you when you score goals. So the, I think he, he got a little bit of flack for that moment. But um, it, it, it sort of obviously massively endeared him to a to a fan base which is very very left wing at Liverpool. Um, you know, just don't get away from that. Liverpool is a left wing football club predominantly. Um, so that that sort of the the goals were helping massively, but that kind of human side to you know, really sort of elevated him and venerated him with the Liverpool fans to just just absolute adulation. Really, he was he was commended as as well as well as being punished and scorned on by the authorities. He was commended by the fan base and a lot of the uh, the Liverpool based journalists and writers at the time as well. So yeah, it was um, very sort of polemic moment really.
0: He was one of your own, I suppose. One of your own as, as in yeah, modern- he was. Yeah, in in modern kind of fan culture, Robbie Fowler was one of one of Liverpool's own. I think that's why more rever rever revered than any other player throughout that team. But like when you look at the way he burst on the scene, lads, like he scored thirty plus goals in all competitions for his first three seasons. He was the the best young player in England for two to three years. Like, and that was really the highlight of of his entire career. But and but that's the player like. I kind of I kind of re- remember in, in many ways, but he, he was just he was a he was a force of nature them first few years and in many ways he was he was everything that was wrong with that Liverpool team, the whole Spice Boys thing, everything like that as well. You yeah. know. As Anne said, they maybe had a, a kind of soft nature to them in, in terms of um yeah, capable of capable of brilliant moments, but then kind of not being able to produce it on a consistent basis
1: yeah I think that's true That, that that's, that's definitely something to that no, no two ways about it he was you know he, 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 I think force of nature is a good way of putting it um, he, he was he, he exploded onto the scene and um, it, it, I, I think he was definitely the kind of player to carry to help us to, to have won more trophies as well it's just that we didn't have the foundations there he was just carrying us for a long time as you say 30 plus goals three years in a row is phenomenal for such a young lad so definitely something to that people
2: yeah, I always find it funny that Liverpool had like a soft underbelly at the time when, when Graeme Souness was signing players like Razor Ruddock and Julian Dix and they just were still like, just couldn't put up a fight. So obviously after uh, 2001, I mean, they had that amazing season, Liverpool, and you would think, you know, the the team was pretty strong and that they would, they would build on from there and go on. But then, shockingly, Fowler left the club and goes to Leeds United. I mean, was this a huge surprise at the time? I mean, did you think... God, we're, we're losing like one of our best players here. What, what was the reaction?
1: No, I, I think the sad thing was uh, it wasn't that kind of reaction. I, I personally, I wasn't shocked because there'd been such, um, such speculation. He was leaning to Chelsea. I think Aston Villa were rumoured to be making a bid as well. And his, his future had been uh, open to speculation for a while. Julier was famously a disciplinarian at the club. And Fowler was like a hangover from the 90s era of the Spice Boys, as Pete was saying. There was a lot of accusations about his private life and being a bit of a big-time Charlie behind the scenes. And um, him and Phil Thompson did not get on whatsoever. There was a a famous training ground bust-up between the two of them, which Fowler was forced to publicly apologise for. And again, I think that was the straw that brought the Camels back. Julier favoured Owen and Heskey up front. We had people like Yari Lippmann and Vladimir Schmeichert who were attacking players. They couldn't really get into the team either because we were so kind of dependent on that partnership between Husky and Owen. And I just think it was it was time for us to cash in, really. The timing of it was a bit odd. It kind of happened in November of the 2001-2002 season. And then off the back of that, we went and got Nicholas and Elker on loan for the second half of the season. It was excellent for us, but it was a bit of an odd time when we were going for the league to surrender one of our, you know, it could have been one of our key potent attack and threats that year. So, the timing was odd, and obviously to sell him to a rival was a strange one. But we, we got big money for a player who had a, you know, a questionable fitness record at that point. And I think um, a lot of Leeds fans came to see that afterwards when he obviously went there and didn't really hit the ground running, didn't really light up Ellen Road uh, for the money that he paid for him. It was 13 million, was it, that they paid for him in 2001? Yeah. I'd have to check that. A bit. But again, as, as you always say, Pete, that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really was a big deal. But not ma- not massively surprising with the with the context that came with it.
0: Yeah, they probably could have got more money out of Leeds too if
1: they had asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably to be fair.
2: Yeah, probably. I think I think it was a twelve million move. But yeah, I mean, like a lot of money for a player who was on the, on the downslope. But uh, he obviously played for England. But he only won twenty six caps, scored seven goals, Um so he didn't really make the most of his of his England career. I mean, he said before he was most decidedly English. Uh, despite the fact that he had Irish connections, although he he has said in the past that when uh, everyone came back from international duty, Phil Bab and Jason McAteer would still be wearing the party hats coming home from from the Ireland team. So, I think he he definitely made the the wrong decision there.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But um, yeah, no, I, I think his in his it, it, England career is interesting because there's a whole host of absolutely top class. St- English strikers through the 90s that have a similar type of England record to him because Shearer was basically had that position locked down for the best part of a decade. And I think Teddy Sheringham was probably his best partner for a long time. Like you look at like Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole, people like that, Ian Wright, they never really got going with England. Matt Letizia, uh, uh, you know. So it was really a golden age of English strikers through the 90s. But I think Fowler's career it kind of follows a kind of logical path because he burst onto the scene as I was saying, kinda of ninety between ninety-four and ninety-six. He was selected in the twenty-two man squad for Euro ninety six. He he made a couple of appearances against I think Spain and, and Holland, didn't find the, the target now or didn't find the net, but he very much in you know in, in the plans of the manager. And then you know he did did his did his ACL in nineteen ninety seven. And then, of course, Michael Owen bursts onto the scene in '98 for both England and Liverpool, which would have affected him on both internationally and and at club level. So uh, Robbie Fowler was at his peak from 1994 till about '97, '98. He, he was never the same thereafter. So you know he was maybe a, a little bit unlucky not to get a run with England, but you can understand why because Shearer was there around '96, '97. And then he just wasn't performing well enough, I don't think, at club level thereafter. But as I said, he's not the only really talented England striker that never quite made it with England during the 90s because there's a whole, there's a glut of them now, you know. You think maybe in the current climate where they probably don't have that many number nines, if a lad like Robbie Fowler came along, he'd be scoring, you know, he'd be getting more of a chance. But then, you know... To kind of the systems and tactics are a bit different now as well, so so who knows, you know,
2: absolutely. And as, as we mentioned, you know, his career kind of petered out after bursting onto the scene so spectacularly. So the second half of his career definitely wasn't, uh, you know, nearly as good as the first half. Uh, what was that down to? Ant? was it temperament, was it lifestyle, injury?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was all those things, to be honest with you. Steve. Um, he was a phenomenal player phenomenal talent but a bit like some of the athletes at the time some of the footballers at the time rather should say probably not sort of educated in like the, the the school of science and nutrition and you know recovery and recuperation that sort of thing that's only really come into football properly in the past sort of 10 to 15 years I'd say so it was perhaps just before that era so maybe had he have worked with somebody now I mean they've all got personal chefs now haven't they and all kinds and they, you know they've they, these footballers they're elite athletes from a young age they're quick they're lean Fala, Fala actually carried a bit of weight at times as well Um, it took him a while to I think to get back to peak fitness from his injuries and obviously there was such a bad injury to, to do as well as to do his knees ACL it's, I mean, it's potentially career-threatening isn't it when you, especially back then and um, to have done that so he, he, he bounced he bounced back and, and as I say he had that season in 2001 which was kind of his last his last big Sort of contribution to Liverpool um, in that era, and then I think from there it kind of petered out. I don't, I don't. When I say temperaments, I don't think he was ever a player who didn't give hundred percent. I'm not saying that for a moment. I just think that, but you know, he maybe didn't have that same fearlessness after that injury. Perhaps it affected him. He certainly seemed a lot more um, aware of his body, and he, he moved a bit more gingerly. And uh, perhaps it mentally affected him having such bad injuries in the late nineties. It definitely shaved the yard off him in, in terms of his his ability, his his effectiveness up front. And it, I think if you look at his record, sort of post two thousand and one, it was about one in three, one and four. You know, which contrasts starkly with the start of his career. So he was definitely uh, he definitely lost a step. There's no two ways about that.
0: Yeah, he scored a hundred and nine Premier League goals in the nineties, and it's the fifth most. And then yeah. he added kind of another. He finished a finished on one six three, but that was over, you know, as long a period in into the two thousands. So there's there's no doubt. But he very much was he, he was a nineties footballer, wasn't he? And very you know, like you said, not probably not, not the most athletically gifted, but just ca- capable of these kind of moments of brilliance. And and you knew that after the games he was he was heading out in the town for the night. Like he,
1: Yeah, he, definitely he, he ticked so many
0: of the nineties footballers boxes.
1: Oh yeah, there's all kinds of stories that all you have to do was go into any office and speak to people of of a certain age. who were out and about in Liverpool in the nineties, and it was always it's always the same names that crop up. There was apparently it was him, McAtee, uh, MacManaman. There, there was a few of them who, who enjoyed the high life around Liverpool at the time because they were the talents a bunch uh, as well. So and the Liverpool fans loved that team again. Speak to Liverpool fans of a certain age. They are anti-Benitez, anti hulier and they love the sort of late 80s, 90s Liverpool teams of free-flowing attacking players. So they, those lads were, were, were idolised, they were stars, and I think they, they enjoyed themselves, shall we say, off the back of it.
2: Absolutely. Well, Robbie Fowler is the latest inductee into the 90s Football Hall of Fame. Up next, we've got a quiz. This quiz is brought to you by Football Index. You can get a £20 bonus when you sign up for a new account. Just use the offer code FF20. Now, lads, you know the rules. I'll ask a question, you say your name to buzz in, and then you've got 10 seconds to give an answer. This week's quiz is all about goal scorers. So are we all ready? Yep. yep. Question one. Robbie Fowler scored that famous goal in the first leg of their European Cup Winners' Cup tie with Bran in 1997, and the game ended one all. What was the scoreline of the second leg? It was a 2 one 3-1 or 3-0? Peter. Go ahead, Peter. No, 3-0. The correct answer is 3-0, so it's 1-0, Peter. Question two. Who scored Man City's first ever Premier League goal? Was it Noel Quinn, David White or Keith Curl?
1: Peter.
2: Peter, I think you got in there first.
0: I'll go with David White.
2: David White is correct. So that's 2-0, Peter. we just three questions left. Question three. Which club did David White... Join halfway through that campaign, the 92 93 season, was it Leeds United, Sheffield United, or Newcastle United. Peter, go ahead.
0: Gonna go, oh, it's either Leeds or Sheffield. I'm gonna go with Leeds.
2: Uh, Leeds is the correct answer, which makes it 3 uh, 0 to Peter. I'll uh, say this next question anyway. Who was Leeds' top goal scorer that season? Peter. Go ahead.
0: David White.
2: <laughs> no, it was uh, Lee Chapman.
0: <laughs> Lee Chapman, yeah, of course. Big Lee
2: so uh, we'll leave it there you're the 3-0 winner Peter
0: yeah good and quiz this week lads good quiz there we go
2: <laughs> that's the end of this episode if you enjoyed our show then please take a moment to give us a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts follow us on Facebook and Twitter we're at footyfaithful underscore head to the thefootballfaithful.com for more football content thank you for joining us lads thank you Peter
0: thanks very much lads another good one
2: and thank you Matt
0: yeah I enjoyed that lads nice one
2: thank you and wash your hands
0: Liverpool have had some top ones, non-stop ones, they don't drop none, loads of legends have come through, these
1: shankly games, so let's name a few, Robbie Fowler, a local lad, one of the best Liverpool ever had, he came to the club as a kid, yes he did, remember the hat-trick, believe it, we've seen it,
0: Ian Rush, the club's top scorer and field legend,